Good morning, friends. Welcome to Stone Point. We are glad that you're hanging out with us on the Wills Point campus. Hard to believe, but today's November 1st. We're about eight weeks from Christmas, and we are in the craziest year of the last decade. Uh, if we think about hindsight as 2020, I'm sure we look back over the course of the last handful of months, uh, even the last year, and there's probably things that we could change, maybe things we've done or said or things that people have done or said to us that have frustrated us. And uh, listen, I'll just tell you that as we think about hindsight, uh, the goal is really not to look back and wish we could fix things, but to really learn about foresight. And that is how we take wisdom and uh, insight and, and do something with it. And that's what we'd call foresight. So foresight is the ability to change things before they happen. And so one of the things uh, that I realize that we are in now is just a, a really difficult season in our country. I think there's a lot of challenges, a lot of people that are anxious, a little bit fearful as to what's going to happen in the coming days. Election cycle is a couple of, couple of days from now, and just want to take a few moments just to remind you of a couple of words uh, from the Apostle Paul to the Church of Philippi, and he writes this in Philippians chapter 4, and he just says these words. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, we're living in some difficult days. There's some turmoil. Uh, there's some political and social unrest. There's racial tension. Uh, but friends, here's what I want just to remind you of. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, I want to just remind you that as Paul writes to the church of Colossae, to set your eyes on things above. As the writer of Hebrews reminds us that we are a part of a kingdom that is unshakable. Friends, this earth and this country is not our home. Our allegiance doesn't lie here. And so I pray that the Lord of heaven and earth would remind us that we are his and that we need to remind ourselves in difficult days that we are to to live in the world, but we're not to, to love the world or to be of the world. And so friends, I want to just pray for us in a time and a season where we have many, many different challenges that we would just trust, not in our future president, but in our king, the one who gave himself for us, the one who died, the one who was resurrected on the third day, who overcame death and the sting thereof. And so may we just put our trust in him. And so let's pray together, and then we're going to dive in to Proverbs 30. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for my friends. Lord, would you help us to put our trust in you? Lord, I'm not sure what it is that we're all anxious about, but I think there's lots of us that we're a little bit fearful, a little bit unsettled. But Lord, I pray that we'd fix our eyes upon you. May you be our hope and our strength and our refuge, and our strong tower. And may today's message just remind us of where we should put our trust. Thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in Proverbs chapter 30, we've been uh, following along with the words of a guy named Agur, an unsuspecting guy who we see mentioned one time in the Bible, and that's in Proverbs 30. As we have studied over the last several uh, weeks, um, the last seven to be exact. Today we land in verse 24 and following, and Agur says these words, 
Four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in summer. The rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. And the lizard you can take in your hands, yet it is in king's palaces. Last week, we looked at the ant and encourage you to go check out um, what we learned from that on our website at stonepointchurch.com. If you uh, want to check that out, we'd love and encourage you to do so. Today, we want to look at another animal that's not mighty in any way, but seems to be exceedingly wise, and that is the rock badger. The rock badgers are, a, uh, are, are not a people that are mighty. Uh, you don't look at the rock badger and run and, and hide because you're fearful of them. Matter of fact, a rock badger is a pretty defenseless creature. Um, they are prone to be taken over by attack by coyotes or wolves or other adversaries, but yet they are wise. And the wisdom means that they don't burrow in the ground where they could be dug up, but they, they burrow deep in the rocks. They find their, their home in a strong rock, a source, the cliffs. And so in Proverbs 30, 26, it just says this, that the rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. The rock badger, you might be wondering what it is. It, it is a, it's what you call a hyrax, or uh, maybe you would call it a, a marmot. Uh, and it kind of looks like this, in case you're wondering. And so isn't that a lovable, cute little creature? I mean, you're not going to be scared by it. You're not going to take off running uh, because you're afraid of it. it is a, it's a feeble character. They don't have sharp teeth. They lounge around throughout a lot of the day. And this cute, lovable, furry creature, by and large, is defenseless. And it reminds me a lot of the people of the Old Testament. Matter of fact, as we think about the Old Testament, I think one of the reasons that Agur probably uh, thought about the, uh, the rock badger or the hyrax uh, is simply because he wanted to remind the people how they have sought and found refuge. It reminds me of many stories in the Old Testament. One of those is King David. King David in 1 Samuel chapter 22 flees for his life and he runs um, to the caves. Uh, matter of fact, it's there in, in uh, 1 Samuel 22 that he comes to the cave of Adullam. And it's there that he finds not only refuge, but other men eventually track him down. And they hear that, uh, that David is hiding out there. And they say, hey, listen, while you're fearful of Saul, hey, we think you could be the next king. A couple of chapters over, those men moved from Adullam and the cave there to another place near uh, the desert uh, called En Gedi, and they find a refuge in the caves there. And it's there that uh, Saul is actually coming close to tracking David down, and Saul actually enters a cave that you see the story of in 1 Samuel 24, and he goes to relieve himself. Yep, that's what I said. He's going to relieve himself. And as he's doing that, he goes into the same exact cave that David and his men are hiding out in. It's there that you see this incredible story that David sneaks up on um, King Saul while he's going to the restroom and he cuts off a piece of his garment and will later remind him, hey, I, I was the person by God's grace that spared your life. And uh, Saul would tremble in fear. But what I want you to know is, is that the people of the Old Testament oftentimes would find refuge in caves or in places like rock because they were hiding out. 
And it's there uh, that you see this psalm penned as David escapes from his enemies and the hand of Saul. He writes these words in Psalm 18, verse 2. And he simply says this, The Lord is, is going to be my rock. And he says this, He's my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. David says, God is my deliverer. Though I fled for the caves, God is the one who I found refuge in. Uh, if you look in the Old Testament, you see uh, a, a woman named Hannah who bore a son named uh, Samuel. And what's incredible is to see her prayer after conceiving this promise from God. In 1 Samuel 2, you see in verse 1 and 2, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. And look what she says in verse 2. She says, There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Both David and both Hannah realize that God is a rock. He's a mighty fortress. That when culture is shaking, when things are in distress and in turmoil, that we can put our trust in something that's unshakable. And Hannah and David both realized that God was the rock and the firm foundation. When I think about God being the rock, I think about the time that God was dealing with Moses on Mount Sinai. Moses was having a conversation with the Lord in Exodus chapter three, uh, 33. And it was there that Moses pleaded with the Lord to go ahead with the people of Israel. Moses says, Lord, if you don't go with us, we don't want to go anywhere. And the Lord promised to, to go with Israel, that he would be their God and he would, he would guide them. But it was there that, that God, in a sense, had, had a, a, a prompting, and even in Moses' life, to, to go deeper. And Moses asked the Lord, Lord, if you're going to go with us, that's incredible, but Lord, can I see more of you? Can I, can I know more of you? And it was there that Moses asked and requested to see God face to face. He goes, God, can I behold your glory? Can I see you face to face? And here's what God's response was. In verse 21 of Exodus 33, it says, And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then... I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. David, uh, after years after Moses, found refuge in God and as a source of hope and strength. And Moses did it well in advance of that on Mount Sinai. As God was going to give him the law, he goes, God, I want to know more of you. I want to see more of you. But God says, listen, you can't see all of my glory because God is an all-consuming fire. And so what he does, though, did you notice? He hid Moses in the cleft of the rock. He covered him by his hand. He turned and he allowed Moses to see part of who God was. And Moses beheld God's glory. And all of God's glory is goodness. Everything about him is good. His justice is good. God in all of his nature is good. And so he showed Moses his goodness. But what's incredible is, is that how is it that we see God's goodness? 
So you might be here today and you might be living with fear and anxiousness or anxiety about what's going to happen in the next couple of days or even the next couple of months. Your fearfulness could be over elections or it could be the fact that you don't have enough money for Christmas. It could be in struggling relationships and particularly maybe a marriage that's had an incredible road over the last handful of months. Maybe in times of, of COVID, things have been more difficult at home on the family front. Regardless of where your, your foundation lies right now, here's what I want you to know is that God desires to be your rock and your salvation. Uh, God desires to do something incredible with you. Matter of fact, I'm reminded of the words of a guy named John Trapp, uh, which simply says this, It shall be our wisdom to work ourselves into the rock of Christ Jesus, where we shall be safe from hellish hunters. Just as Moses wanted to see more of God, friends, we ought to desire to see more of God as well, because God is our rock and our salvation. When we think about that, you might ask yourself, but yeah, but how do I know that God loves me? How do I know that I can see God? He seems so distant. He seems so far off. It seems that he doesn't hear my prayers, that he's not acquainted with my needs. And here's what I would tell you, friends, God has revealed himself to us. And listen, he doesn't have to hide us in the cleft of the rock anymore like he did Moses, because now we can see and know him fully. Matter of fact, we do that through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus um, is referred to in John chapter 1, verse 14, by the apostle John as the word. And in verse 14, it says, In the word, meaning Jesus, he became flesh. And he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And when he dwelt among us, the Greek word there uh, just simply means that he took on skin, that he came um, out of heaven and he became the visible image of the invisible God. So to look upon God and to see his glory was limited in the Old Testament, but to see Jesus is to see God fully. It's incredible to think of that even in a conversation with Philip in John chapter 14, Jesus tells Philip, the disciple, um, he goes, listen, if you, want to, if you want to see God, look at me. I, I am him. I am the representation of God. And so friends, you may wonder that if God is distant, you may wonder how could he be the rock of ages? How could he be our salvation? And here's what you need to know. To see God is to see Jesus. And to see Jesus is to see God. And we can behold his glory and we can even become more like him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul writes to the church of Corinth and he says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. He goes, if you want to be like God, you want to see God, you want to know God, you want to be changed in His image, he goes, you need to look upon Jesus, the Christ, the one who came to earth, who dwelt among people, who lived a perfect life, who died on a sinner's cross, who overcame death and sin and the grave three days later, and he became our victory. 
He became our rock. He became our mighty fortress. He became our strong salvation. And he became the one that when we are weary, when we're heavy laden, when we're anxious, when we, when we struggle to find rest, we can find rest for our souls when we come to Christ. And so friends, I want you to know that he is our rock and our salvation. Just as the rock badgers found hope in the cliffs and in the rocks, just as David sought refuge in the cliffs and the rocks, just as Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock, we, we can be hidden in God through his son, Jesus Christ. See, we, we are hidden in him. Paul writes to the church of Colossae in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 through 4, and he says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Friends, that's good news. It's good news that because Jesus is our rock and our salvation, because he is the visible image of the invisible God, that we can find our refuge in him, that we can be wise. And wisdom is to know that we are doomed on our own account, but that if we will give up ourselves, die to our sin and our past mistakes and put our trust in our rock and our salvation, that is Jesus Christ, that we can be hidden in Christ with God. That means that one day we'll appear with him in glory as well. That means that we have an eternal home, but it also means that when we're hidden in him, that we're protected by him. And so let me just share a handful of ways we're protected by God. One, we're sealed in him for the day of redemption. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 just reminds us that we have a heavenly inheritance, that Christ has fulfilled all we need and assured us of a future salvation that is, is never broken, that the seal of God is put on us. Uh, not only are we sealed for the day of redemption, but we also we, we are indwelled by him. The Holy Spirit lives in us and he gives us a new life in Christ, a new life in him. It reminds us of the words of Ephesians in chapter 4, that we put on a new self, uh, that we have a new life in Christ. And as we do that, uh, we can put on true holiness because God is guiding us towards all truth. And when we think about being guided towards all truth, uh, we can just be reminded of passages like John chapter 16 or 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Friends, God is wanting to teach us and mold us and shape us as we are hidden in him. But he doesn't just teach us, he also intercedes on our behalf. Uh, when we think about him interceding on our behalf, we think about how he helps us in our weakness and how he um, moves on our behalf. That even when we pray, um, and don't know how to pray, we know that the Spirit intercedes for us before the throne of grace. And we thank God for that because He is continually interceding on our behalf. But He doesn't just stop there. He also would convict us of sin. When we're hidden in Christ, it doesn't mean we do things our way. It means that we do things His way. Why? Because He's our comforter and our helper and He intercedes on our behalf. He also means that He, he is the one who challenges us when we don't do things his way. He convicts us of sin and he teaches us more about him. But he's also our counselor. He's 
He's our comforter. He's our advocate. He's all of those good things. That means that when we are weak, that he is strong. That means when we are broken, that he brings healing. It means that when we are confused, he brings clarity. And he brings clarity in three ways. He brings clarity by the word of God. He brings clarity by the spirit of God in our lives that's teaching us and comforting us and loving us. But he also puts people in our life called the church. And then when all three of those things line up, the word of God, the spirit of God, and the people of God, we can make wise decisions. We can make wise decisions during election cycles. We can make wise decisions as it pertains to buying new property or homes. We can make wise decisions in parenting. We can make wise decisions and choices of what we may do to gratify our flesh. Friends, we make wise decisions when we are hidden in Christ. Why? Because he is good. And he doesn't just stop with helping us, but he also gives us good gifts. That is the spiritual gifts that are a blessing to the local church. Those good gifts are what we would call spiritual gifts. Uh, we find those in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses uh, 1 and following, that those good gifts are for the common good of others. And when we are hidden in Christ, we can't help but be a part of all that Christ is a part of, and that is the local church. And so, friends, he is our salvation and our rock and our guide. He is who we are hidden in. But guys, think about this real quickly. Just as the rock badger goes, even though they're not a people mighty, they're wise. They go and find refuge in the rock. When you find refuge in the rock, do you know no enemy can snatch you out of the hand of God, the rock of ages? Like nothing can snatch you away from the rock of ages. I love what... Paul reminds us of in, 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 the, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. He just says, In him you also, meaning Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That's what it looks like to be hidden in Christ. But look what it says as it continues in verse 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it? to the praise of his glory, until we finally lay hands on God and his promise, he goes, you're sealed in him. Amen, friends. What an encouragement to know that we are sealed in Christ. Jesus says in a way I think is even more practical and easy to understand. In John chapter 10, Jesus tells us um, that he is the good shepherd, that he has sheep, that sheep know him, they follow him. He even says in verse 27, they hear his voice and they know him. They follow him because they know his voice. But then in verse 28 of John chapter 10, Jesus says these words. He goes, and I give them, meaning my people, my sheep, um, my, my inheritance. He goes, I give them eternal life. That means you're hidden in Christ, the rock and salvation. And he goes, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Friends, nothing snatches us out of the hand of God. Jesus goes on to say in verse 29, he says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Think about this. Jesus says, when you are hidden in Christ, the rock of ages, nothing snatches you away from him. Friends, that means that the enemy has no authority over you. Um, 
in Christ. Uh, don't get me wrong. Can you be tempted? Can you be enticed? Can you be led away by your flesh? Yes. But the enemy cannot cause you to lose your salvation. Friends, there are some um, denominations and, and even people that I know that would say, hey, it's possible for others to lose salvation. Guys, I can't see that found in the scriptures. I don't see how that's consistent with being hidden in Christ in the rock of ages. Paul says that we have an inheritance that, that we will eventually lay hands on, that we will acquire. Peter says that we have an inheritance that never spoils or fades away, that's kept in heaven for us. Jesus says that there's nothing that can snatch us away from his hands. So if you have that thought that I could somehow be so bad or do something so grotesque or walk away from God in such a way that you could lose your salvation, friends, I think you may be asking the wrong question. I don't think we should ask the question, can I lose my salvation? I think a better question is, did you have salvation in the first place? If you had salvation in the first place, it means you trust in the rock of ages. You were hidden in Christ, and it means that you're sealed forever. It means that he is the rock of ages, our comforter. But guys, if, if you weren't sealed in him, that means you're prone to, to leave the God you love because you never really gave him your heart and life in the first place. Because here's the thing, friends, consider these couple questions. If you could indeed lose your salvation... Does that say as much about you as it does God? I mean, don't get me wrong. I know that I'm prone to do something foolish and, and I'm prone to leave God. But listen, does that say something about me or does that say something about God if I could lose my salvation? It says something about God. Because if God is all-powerful, He's all-knowing, He's all-loving, and he gives you the promise of his salvation. Is God a good God if he takes back his salvation? Or if he just takes back that free gift that he gave? And I would say, no, I don't think so. And so I think that God is a good God. He seals us, holds us, keeps us, is our firm foundation. But it's only for those who know him. And those who walk away probably never knew him in the first place. But let's go on and let's ask another question. How do you lose the free gift of salvation if you never earned salvation in the first place? See, we teach that Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says it's by grace through faith that we come to salvation. It's by grace through faith and the person of Jesus Christ is a free gift of God. It's not by our works or our merit. We don't work our way to God, but God worked his way to us. And because of that, he gave us that free gift. So friends, if you don't earn your way to God, the question is, is how do you lose something you never earned in the first place? So if it's a gift of God, we may be saying more about God if we lose salvation than we are about our own rebellious lives. See, friends, God's a good God. He desires to hide us in the cleft of the rock. His son, Jesus, he desires to give us good things. And he desires for us to know him. And so friends, I want you to know that losing our salvation doesn't seem to be a biblical example in the text. But even more than that, if you do lose your salvation and then you come back to Christ and you lose your salvation again and you come back to Christ, can I ask you a question, friend? How many times does Jesus have to die before salvation holds? 
See, I believe that the scripture teaches that Jesus died once and for all, that all might be justified in him, that we would know him and that we would be called heirs of the kingdom, that we would walk out of darkness and into light. And friends, though we may struggle with who we are in Christ, I want you to know that if we lose our salvation, it would appear that Jesus would have to die over and over and over and over again. Or it might even appear to believe that we don't believe his first death was sufficient. But can I tell you that the rock of ages died, was buried and resurrected after living a perfect life, punished by our Heavenly Father so that we could be hidden in him, so that nothing could snatch us away from him. See, the old rock badger is susceptible to be snatched and torn away and, and taken away unless he finds his home in the rocks. And friends, it's the same thing for us. If we are wise, we will find our home in the rock, the rock of ages, Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. I pray that you would remind us that you are the rock of ages. I pray that you would remind us with passages like Romans chapter 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of God. I pray that you would remind us from uh, Jude verses 24 and 25 that you are a great and glorious God. That all power and all authority and all majesty is yours. And it's through Jesus, our Lord, the rock of ages, the one who is before all things and holds all things together and will live forevermore. It's through him that we have an inheritance. It's through him that we have hope. It's through him that we can be secured. Just as Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock, we can be hidden in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for making what was invisible, visible. Thank you for making known what was a mystery, no longer something that's foreign or hard to understand. Thank you that you made all things known to us through the, through the great provision of your son, Jesus Christ. God, would you help us to live for you? Would you help us to love you? Would you help us to serve others? And would you help us to, to build our lives on the firm foundation and the rock of Jesus Christ? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.